0: are you good with money is money good what is good about money oh let's get into it with Derek Kinney here on episode 78 of the no boring stories podcast Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. And that's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools, all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and I've always had a lot of issues around money and money mindset. And then last year, a mentor of mine said that I have good money instincts. Just a small thing, but made a massive difference. Today, we're gonna talk all about money and good money and what good money really looks like with Derek Kinney. Derek is the CEO of the Good Money Framework and host of the Good Money podcast. He visits with influential business and thought leaders to inspire them to make more money and use it for good. He's been on stages, he's been interviewed on national media, he's all over the place. And he just released a brand new book called The Good Money Revolution. Derek and I get into all kinds of conversations in this podcast, specifically around what his book is doing and what what good money is, how to make good money and how to do good with your money. Ultimately, this is a conversation about doing good and Derek's journey to get here to this place where he feels confident enough to put out a book and do this work and talk about money in this way. You're gonna love this conversation if you struggle with your money mindset or have issues around seeing money as good or people that have lots of money are good or thinking that you, if you get lots of money, what kind of good would you do with it? This unpacks all of that and brings us on a journey, a story of someone who's been through all of that as well by going through Derek's life. I hope that you dive into this conversation and that you love it as much as I did. Here's my conversation with Derek Kinney. Derek, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Alex. It's so nice to be here with you and uh, we're looking forward to a great conversation together.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving in and learning what's really what's motivating you towards uh, creating a bit of a revolution here, which we'll get into. Let's uh, let's start things off because I know that you are you are now an author. And so you know what it's like to like write a story, essentially, you know, as maybe it's nonfiction, but you you dive in and and be that kind of a storyteller. What's one of your favorite stories that you could go back to, like at any moment movie, a book, uh, maybe it's just a tall tale that your grandfather told you. what? It, uh, what is it that comes to mind?
1: Well, I'll tell you a true story. And this is a story that really impacted how I think about money. So let me take you into my office on a Saturday morning. I was there catching up on things and I began to see my voicemail light start to blink. And you've got to make that decision. Do I press the button and possibly get way distracted or just keep working? And a voice inside said, Derek, you need to press that button. I pressed it and what I heard shocked and surprised me. A woman's frantic voice that said, Derek, I bounced a check and I'm going to go to jail. Well, I could not believe what I had just heard. And I knew this message had to be returned Today, it couldn't wait until Monday. Bad news doesn't age well. I called her back and I said, I got your message. First of all, we'll call the bank on Monday. What had happened was she had not moved money from savings to checking, wrote a check, bounced it, got that letter in the mail that said non-sufficient funds. But I said, Tell me about what you said about going to jail. She said, Yeah. <laughs> and so now her voice gets amped up all over again, Alice. She said, Derek, when I was a kid, I saw my dad. Accidentally bounce a check. And I overheard the voice of the store owner calling my dad saying, because you bounced a check, I'm going to drag you to jail. So here was a woman, she was Goodness. now 55 years old. This occurred when she was seven. So she thought, if you bounce a check, because I saw it as a kid, you're going to go to jail. Uh-huh. And in that moment, Alex, it was an epiphany moment for me as a financial advisor at the time, because I began to think about this woman and her relationship with money and with me. And I realized she had always been hesitant to take uh-huh. risk. She'd always worried about what if I lose money? What if I am embarrassed? What if I make a mistake? Uh-huh. And when she told me all this, it brought clarity to the situation. And it was that moment I realized, I bet she is not alone. And second, how many people out there have had bad money beliefs somehow mm-hmm. hold them back from living the life they've always wanted? And I just couldn't let that happen. Mm-hmm. It was just not right for me not to do something about it.
0: Okay, you, oh, you came in ready for this. I love it because here's here's a couple of things. A- I love it. I am we're in on that. And I just want to draw attention to a couple of key storytelling pieces that you just used there and something else that showed up. So the fact that there's your story that you're telling there, and there's this, let me take you back to this moment. And now you're in this moment where you face this thing and you have some kind of belief that then was rocked and changed through this conversation that makes you who you are now. So we're going to talk about, you know, I was talking about the story arc, who I was, what happened who I am. And so here you sit and you took us back to this moment that helped shift you to become who you are. But I wanted to, I'm sure everybody heard it and leaned in at this very moment. And for those of us that are wondering, how do I tell a better story? You did something you're like, what I heard next rocked me. You could sit in silence for three minutes after that. And we will wait, right? That is such a key, like teasing the tension phrase. And I just, I don't mean, I'm going to want to celebrate that and say like, that's that's what it sounds like. That's what it, that's what it is. That's how we use that. It's just setting the stage and then saying, and what happened next? That's the key. And then you open us up and you're like, Whoo! Oh yes, <laughs> that is important. She's going to jail. Holy crap. So I just want, I, well done there. Like, it's just, I, I was in, I, I love this. I loved hearing that. But then what I also love is, is her, when she explained that to you, she went back to say, Hey, in my childhood, I heard this moment that made me believe this thing. And then what's fascinating, Derek, is then you become the transformative person in her story to help her now become someone different. So you become that what happened moment for her to help her now live this free life with her money.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's just phenomenal. I hear this. I were like stories on stories on stories. And so thank you for bringing us right into that. That's the good stuff right there.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think about her a lot. When when someone finally says something that they didn't know how to articulate, Mm. but it helps unlock this rusted padlock on their door of opportunity that we can somehow chisel away and it becomes free and they become free. It was so powerful. And, And that's what led a large part of the book was these bad money beliefs are holding people back and they don't know it. Uh They don't know what's on the other side. And I want to help tear down the wall that they built up Uh and let them see a whole new view.
0: This is brilliant because that was going to be my next question is what, what impact do you want to make right now with your work? So, so here you are, just give us a really quick picture of like, you know, what is this main work that you're bringing to the world right now? You have this book that is out right now and becoming wildly successful. So congratulations on that, on the good money revolution. But with that, just what's the main work? Like, what would you call yourself and what's the impact that you're seeing with the work that you're making?
1: Well, as I talk to people and I ask them, how are they doing financially? And I ask them, are they happy making what they're making right now. And they always say they're not happy and they want to make more money, but they don't know how to do it. Uh And so what I would ask people right now is if you feel like you deserve to make more money, but you don't know how to do it, this is a roadmap for you. And what I believe is that so much of money has been villainized. People have said, look, if people have too much money, they're the bad person. They must've done something Uh, ill-gotten to Mm -hmm. receive that money. Mm -hmm. And what I believe is those voices inside can tell people, look, my goodness, I would rather not have any money than be someone with money. And everybody is poking their finger at me saying, what a bad person that is. And so what I want to do is take a big eraser to people's mental past and say, let's restructure this together. And let me empower you and really encourage you Mm -hmm. and really implore you need to make money not just to pad your bank account, but for the good that you can do in your world and in the causes you care about. But more importantly, when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you know that you've been paid what you're worth, you've added great value to people's lives and you've lived a life of meaning and fulfillment mm-hmm. and not waited to the end of your life to look back and wish what you had done.
0: Mm. One of my uh, one of my mentors, uh, Chris Harder says, you know, when good people make good money. They do great things. And Chris um, Harder.
1: We love Chris Harder around here. Yeah, there
0: we go, right? So um, it sounds like you guys are right on that same path walking together. And so, you know, you said empowered. You said bring meaning to their life. You said, you know, encouraged to make more money, to make money. What would be the one, like, one thing that you're like, when somebody works with you, they read your book or they work with you, they get led by you, coached by you, they listen to you, that they walk away and they say, because of my, my work with there I now feel what
1: I want people to feel empowered yeah To go make money, but use it for the cause they care deeply about. And and if you think Uh back to when you were a child, even when you watch the news of the day, you may think, boy, there's hunger, there's poverty, there's homelessness, there's clean water issues, there's human trafficking, there's all these issues that in the back of your mind, you want to do something about, but you've been told either consciously or subconsciously, listen, you don't have enough money or time or expertise to do anything about it, so forget it. I want to say, even if it's a dollar, how can you control that dollar and you help improve someone's life with that dollar and you're living a life of meaning that you can then multiply and build on. I mean, that's the whole point of this book. And I think it's unlike any other money book ever written because I'm not just giving you the fundamentals of here's how to invest. It's a mindset of why you need to make money and why the world needs you to make money Mm -hmm. so that you can drastically improve your family, your financial life and have a direct impact in those causes, those concerns that you care deeply about and you get to be the solution
0: for that. So, ooh, solution. I like that. So then there's this Again, I'm trying to draw into this one word, right? So empowered and meaning. If there's, if there's one thing that you would say right now, Derek, as, as you sit here and you're like, this is the thing that I'm doing. I'm just trying to get to like kind of where we are in the story here. And then we'll go back and I want to hear the journey to get here. Yeah. Would you say that it's like, yeah, you feel, you feel right now, you feel empowered in the work that you're doing to, to you feel like there's great meaning right here. Like, What would be the one word that you would say this describes me in life right now?
1: You know, I guess if, if you had to say one word, I would say good, Oh, good would be the word. I mean, in other words, w- when you say to somebody, Hey, go have a great day. Well, yeah, you don't know if they're going to have a great day or not. Somebody jokingly told me they tell their kids, go have the day you're going to have and make it great as if wow. to not presuppose, Hey, let's all have a great day and live with our, our zebras and unicorns that are out there. So I, I would say I want people to feel good
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and good is both a physical and a mental state of mind of I'm doing good with my time. I'm doing good with my family, good with my impact. Yeah. And I'm doing good with my money, so I, I would say good would be a positive four-letter word. I would want people to have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I have a T-shirt that just has it just says "Be a good human" on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, I like that. I like that. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That's it. I don't like T-shirts with words on them, but that one sticks. I'll take that yeah. one. Um, and, and so, by the so way, this. Yeah. Let me
1: take. You mentioned Chris Harder. Yeah. So Chris Harder is one of the people who endorsed my book. Brilliant. So his endorsement is here, and I, I hold Chris Harder in high regard, not just because. He says a lot of good stuff, but he does it
0: uh-huh. and
1: he teaches and empowers people to do it. And I've interviewed him on my podcast, one of our uh-huh. most popular episodes. It just released a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. So he, he is a good guy. He uh-huh. models that really well. So thanks for bringing him up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he was my introduction into uh, really setting my business the way that it is now and, and, you know, being a part of in his mastermind communities and, and seeing that, seeing that hey, this guy's the real deal. And I think that's it. It comes down to, to goodness. And it's, that's it seems like a word that we have, we've minimized. It's become such a throwaway statement. How are you? I'm good. How are you? But what you're talking about here is when we see good as the goal. It elevates the meaning behind it. And I think that's what you're that's what you're aiming towards here is to see how you can do good with your money and be good <laughs> for others. Yeah. And it's a yeah. significant thing. That is not to minimize it by any means. That's to elevate the meaning of it. I love that.
1: Well, I'll give an example. Like I woke up today and and I wasn't feeling candidly super productive. Now I had my videographer, he comes over twice a week and we filmed five videos today to make into reels for social media. Uh And before that, I was thinking, I don't want to record these. I don't even want to do this, but I know this is part of how a successful person feels. Uh Now anyone who's making progress feels this is normal, therefore just step into it. I don't have to feel great. I just need to be good right Uh now. Mm. And I can be even more relatable to the people who watch this. So I would just tell people thinking I've got to be perfect. I've got to have all this money. I'm going to have the great car. I've got to look good. Now just be you and where your feet are right now is where you can have the biggest impact.
0: Oh, here I am. So this idea of good, then really, that's like the ultimate. If I can help someone be good be yes. good with their money be a good human like that's where you're like that's how I feel that's how I want to help other people feel where does that begin in your story like go way back and and then we'll kind of march through this uh over a few moments here where does this idea of of being good of making good money where does that 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 word Where does that first draw you to as being something of significance in your story, in your childhood, you know, as a teenager, what's, what moment is showing up for you right now? When you think about where that begins?
1: You know, when I think about the word good, I think back to my junior high and high school years. I'm going to, I'm going to turn here so you can see the size of my nose and it is, (laughs) it is larger than the national average. Okay. Come on. I'm with you on on this. This is the
0: the large nosers unite. (laughs)
1: And so because of that, I thought it was this great identifiable quality. Other people teased the heck out of me Uh and it was hurtful. I was bullied. I was shamed, all those things. And there was a real inflection point for me about my ninth grade year. My mom sensed the difficulties I was experiencing and she gave me a book. And I typically wouldn't say that a book changed my life, but this one certainly changed the direction of my life. It was called Go For It by a woman named Judy Zarafa, Small book. And basically, it was a book touted for how to survive the teenage years. It was perfect for me. So there's one chapter in the book called How to Be Popular, okay? And it talks about eye contact and shaking hands and making people feel welcome and how to build friendships and how to be trustworthy, responsible, all yeah. the qualities you want. Well, I had nothing to lose. And so I began to put into practice these principles. My confidence began to grow. So I had this wild haired idea. So the end of my uh, sophomore year, I decided to run in high school for junior class president. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I decided to go in a different direction. I I made campaign posters, but instead of the big bold letters, I put really tiny letters thinking this will be so unique. People will have to walk up to the posters and look at it, and I'm going to run away with this thing. Nobody else is doing this. But what I realized was why no one else was doing it, because nobody saw the posters and I didn't win the election. Okay, So then I really just had a burden for a lot of the students around me, because as I realized I was a nobody, but I had the heart of a somebody. And I realized a lot of other people were in my same boat, all of us insecure, all of us wanting a place and a voice. And as I looked around the high school, I began to see all the band people over here and all the mm-hmm. rock and roll crowd over there and the country music people here and the you know the academic crowd over here. And this idea was I'm going to run for student body president. I'm going to run for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, what if I get a picture shaking hands with each leader of these groups all around the school? And so I approached them. They were, they were flattered. Nobody had ever done this before. And so picture like the rock and roll crowd, here's myself. And at the time, a guy named Roland Curley, long flowing black hair, had the Iron Maiden shirt on. And shaking He's, hands with His this parents
0: guy. gave him a rock star name right off. Oh, of yeah. Mean, awesome. I mean,
1: oh, it was awesome. <laughs> and so, the, the, you know, the poster said, hey, let's rock the vote with Derek. I mean, it was just classic. Right. And so I remember election day, I ran against five other people. And I say all this just to say that when somebody with the heart of a somebody rallies other people together, mm-hmm. suddenly we all become important. And I won the election that day, but it wasn't me who won. It was all of us who won. You right. know, what I now believe going back to the word good was everybody felt good about where they were. Suddenly everybody could be themselves because an average guy won the election. Mm-hmm. I didn't come from the gene pool of the popular kids. I had to fight for everything I had and they did as well. And it yeah. was a win for all of us. And so that one principle taught me, even when I went into business, if I can help other people feel wanted, and listened to and valued Mm -hmm. and important, that would be a skill that would never go out of style regardless of a person's bank account, their age, how successful they are. And even to this day, you know, even when I can admit mistakes to people and just be real, Mm -hmm. I find it endears me to people more than if I'm carrying myself as though I'm all that and a bag of chips, it just doesn't work.
0: High achieving entrepreneurs and public speakers, this is for you. You know that you've got something important to do here, but why in the world are you doing it? And even if you know why, how do you talk about that? That's why I'm so excited to invite you into my one-on-one story coaching process. Through this three-month journey, we will go into intensive sessions to uncover your story, turn it into a message that matters, and then create content specific to your context and business today. I have worked with dozens of clients that have experienced major transformation through this experience and more importantly have discovered the transformation that they have already gone through in their life because when you know how you have transformed you can communicate that so your audience knows how you can transform them too look 96 percent of consumers buy based on emotions and if storytelling is our greatest tool to spark an emotional response then you better learn to tell your story today. And one-on-one story coaching is the best way to do it. Go to alexstreet.ca to get the conversation started or reach out to me on Instagram at streetsays and say, I'm interested in one-on-one. And let's talk. I, I, I agree. There's this beautiful authenticity that, that says like, no, look at me. Like I'm flawed. I'm broken. I'm this is me, but I'm just going to, I've done the work to actually understand me, which, which is what's fascinating to me about this story where you are this struggling middle schooler into high school. Who am I? Where do I belong? I'm being bullied. Uh, what do I do? What's my role in the world? And your mom does a thing that so many moms have done here, read this book. And most of them, I used to be a youth pastor. I know this this, uh, this tactic right, right. quite well. <laughs> most of them get thrown You've in the trash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you did a thing that that I think all the parents of teenagers right now listening are hoping their teenager would do, which is actually read the thing and then actually say that it helped them transform mm-hmm. who they are. So there's this beautiful like even as who, you, who you've said that you are at the beginning and this, this story of this woman who called you, there's this belief that you had about yourself or this, like, this wonderment, this confusion about who you were. And then your mom hands you this clarifying document, this book that the author gives you some tips that allow you then to step forward and say like, oh, I guess I get to decide. Like I get to make who I am. I get to be who I am. And when I actually be who I am, that's when I'm at my best. And so like, even in that, there's like this beautiful, like transformation that I see in that just in those early years, correct me if I'm wrong. Does that sound like the same kind of journey that you've been on this whole life? Like there's like, yeah, kind of trying to figure it out and now stepping forward and being who I am and my very, who I am is being at my best and it's good.
1: Yeah, I think you have nailed, the, nailed it on the head there, you know, in the sense that, you know, what led me to sell my practice after 25 years was it, the decision was made on a sabbatical that I go away on. So let me take you to Boston in the W Hotel. This was July of 2019. Yeah. I'm on my yearly sabbatical. I, I pick different places all around the country, but I always ask myself three questions. How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father and how can I be a better business owner? Hmm. And a few months prior to my sabbatical, my daughter was going to college in Nashville. My other daughter was working in Nashville. So my wife and I, with two other kids at home, recognized the writing on the wall. We're probably going to be visiting kids in Nashville. Let's look at some business interests there. So we have a write-off and we can visit our kids as well. So I began to reach out to advisors in Nashville and one particular person helping me introduce uh, to myself to these advisors said, "Derek, you know you're 51 years old. Why are you trying to double your practice again? Most people are trying to scale it back." Mm-hmm. And, and I got to tell you, Alex, that question really offended me. It hit me, you know, like a rock between the eyes, sort of like uh, you know David hitting Goliath with that stone. Right. Yeah. And it really annoyed me. But a voice inside said, "Derek, when you start your sabbatical, ask yourself that question." why are you doing this? And what is it you really want to do? So I'm there Mm -hmm. in the hotel in Boston that morning, I begin to write out a list of the things I would really enjoy. And I wrote down, launch a podcast, write a book, coach, speak, consult. On that list was not being a financial advisor.
0: Hmm. Uh Now I was
1: shocked and I was surprised because I loved my clients. I loved my team. But I realized that the passion inside of me for this new good money concept and the good money framework couldn't be contained in one small practice like I had built. I needed to take a nationwide. And that's where I began to put the chips and bet on myself to do that. So I then sold the practice in January of 2020. And began to launch the podcast. Right, throughout. great
0: time to go out on your own.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, here, here, the you know the pandemic occurred. We're all uh-huh. working from home. But, uh, but I tell you, one thing that was interesting was, you know, many people questioned me. You know, I made it a point to call every single one of my clients personally because I had a close relationship. We had walked a lot of mm-hmm. life's paths together. Some laughed with me. Some cried. Some were mad because they said, Derek. We wanted you to help us retire. And now you're leaving. One lady though, I thought summed it up the best. She said, Derek, listen to me. And she was very serious. If you're going to have a midlife crisis, just buy a Corvette. It's a whole <laughs> lot cheaper. <laughs> and so what, what that told so me So I was, did buy
0: the Corvette and no, I I could the Corvette. sold my business. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. You know, but it, it taught me that people around us, we assume they're all going to be cheering for change. They're all going to say, yeah, go for it. But many people aren't out of negativity wanting to hold us back. They just care so deeply for us. It'd be hard for them to see us fail. And in their mind, their risk tolerance is so low on the thermometer, they can't understand how I could have sold a successful business. And then said, I'm not retiring. I'm not going to launch something brand new. It just blew some people
0: so when people do face you as you went through that right you've got this real life example here when people do bring those those comments those thoughts those objections forward and you're saying they're not people who are against me but they're people who are for me that are trying to keep me safe they're trying to protect me what is it in your mind that allowed you gave you whatever courage or awareness clarity you needed to respond to them and continue to go down this path? How do you respond to those people who are objecting you out of kindness? What do you give to them? When they seem to have good ideas, you're like, yeah, actually you're right. And yet, you know, what was driving you forward?
1: Let me go back to when I first began my financial planning practice. I was told by a senior advisor, they said, Derek, if you can make the phone your friend, you will do fine. I said, make your phone your friend. What does that mean? He said, if you can handle rejection and not take it personally, you're going to do really well in this business. So I come into this business and there's a lot of very smart people around me, people that were well, well educated, higher than me, and most of them washed out but here me and a handful of other people kind of made our way, muddled our way through. And what I began to realize was the phone became a game for me. In other words, nobody was waiting in their kitchen because they didn't even know I was going to be calling. They really couldn't have a whole lot of vitriol toward me personally. They might've been angry at the fact that I brought a light on how poorly they have planned, or maybe they felt embarrassed about money or didn't want to meet with an advisor, but it really wasn't about me personally. And so what I began to realize, Derek, you can do a lot of things in life and just let it flow off of you easily. That allowed me to better prepare for this opportunity. So Mm. when people would ask me, Derek, and even to this day, now, what are you doing? And and candidly, sometimes, Alex, I say, I don't even know what I'm doing. I just know I'm on the right path because I'm inventing the path as I go along. And a few people have said recently, Derek, you just seem to kind of have a knack for just creating something out of nothing. And it's so funny how probably a hundred people have questioned me and three people have complimented me, but where does my mind go? Yeah. Those hundred. Yeah. And once I realized Derek, that's part of the deal. That's why a lot of other people aren't willing to take the risk or have the courage to make the change. And I'm not elevating myself in any way here at all. It's just how I'm wired. And that is if I don't make this change, a, I'm doing my clients, I'm currently serving a disservice because mentally I have moved on mm-hmm. and by the same token, if I don't move on the people I'm supposed to help with this book and this podcast that at the time was yet to be written, I'm robbing them of this message I need to deliver to them. So I have to take action because yeah. there's people depending on me, whether they know it or not.
0: And that's, that's the thing that I was sensing in that that I'm hearing is that, yes, and when you come up with those, when those objections hit you, whether it's 100 or it's two, the thing that will keep you on a clear path, making the path as you go, but clear, clearly on the way is that vision. It's that clarity of, well, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know I've got to go. So it's right. simply not an option anymore for me to stay where I am. And it's fascinating to hear again, in your story, Derek, how you go back, you know, let's say 25 years ago, when you start in that practice and that work, which would have been soon after university, I guess, college kind of you're in that journey. So you have your presidential experience at the end of high school, you go into college, you then get into this financial services work. There's something that you said there about, there's a lot of people that were like rock stars in the, in that world. They were, they were crushing it. And yet, I step in, I make the phone my friend, I make rejection, uh, like a, a learning point, a stepping stone. And those people have washed out while I stuck with it in longevity. And I feel like, again, there's the same thing here, what I'm hearing, right? To hear the story through it all, this ongoing, this thread through it all, there's this movement again towards Bringing like focusing on the people is good enough. Focusing on who's there, listening to who's there, being okay with failure, but listening to who's there and what they need, that's good enough. And that's why these people are so worried about you leaving the business is because you've put so much work into them and building something good with them. That that seems to be this like, of course, this is what you're supposed to do, dear. Of course, you're like, this is good. But what if I could take this goodness out on a bigger scale. Yeah. Right. What right. if, so the story that I hear from you is almost like, you know, a bit of a play on words on, on the, the popular book out there. Good to great. I almost hear like your story. If there was a major transformation is like going from great to good. Like this idea of greatness. This like, I need to fit in. Do I need to fit in? I'll never fit in, but I guess I need to like, I, it needs to be mm. great. And what you have discovered through these moments that you've told us about is actually greatness. Isn't the point. Goodness is good enough. And what if we all focused on being good with what we have and who we are? How do you feel about that? I mean, again, I'm just winging it, right. I'm just off the cuff. This is what I hear. Is, Is that true? Is that aligned? What do you, what do you take from that?
1: Yeah. I like that. You know, I think, well, I like, even I was thinking about, you know, the name of a talk could be, you know, going from great to good, yes, which is sort of this oxymoronic perspective, but it's like, uh-huh. well, well, who does that? But, but I think as I'm talking with you, Alex, that we're processing this together, which is so mm-hmm. good, is what does this mean? And I, I never like to use the word average, but just the, the, the person listening or watching right now that has felt held back yeah. by something. And if we were to define that hold back as what culture might say, well, you need to be great to have a voice or be listened to or make any impact at all. And I think you would agree with me is that we're saying, no, we're saying good money in the hands of good people gets good work done. Mm -hmm. And that's the offer that I have for each person watching or listening right now is look, we're not calling you to be perfect. You know, that's the enemy of action. We want you to just to do some things to make the world better and use that as a motivation to make more money. And and what I think about too is, you know, I think about legacy, you know, one of my favorite movies is Braveheart. And I I like to go on YouTube and watch different clips of, of things. And so I'm watching Braveheart, just this one clip where at the end, you know, he comes up on the, on his horse and people are questioning, is that really William Wallace? And he says, if you would trade all of your life for this one moment to look back and, and realize you didn't give in and you didn't run. Even if you died today, you stood for what you believed in. Mm-hmm. And that's where I want to put a stake in the ground for people right now and say, look, what is it that you believe in? Don't mm-hmm. die before you're dead. There is still opportunity for you to make change for your family and your community and make more money to do more good. As money, the end all be all will know. But I think it's one of the most powerful levers For positive change that we have in the world, and I want to make sure that we make it available for every single person.
0: Oof. this is good. This is the talk. You're right. (laughs) This—that's where it goes. I I heard a quote the other day that said, "You know, I don't don't even have time to think about dying. I haven't even lived yet." Yeah, and and it's this—it's this beautiful idea that where am I going? And and for you to to step in and and have this phenomenally powerful and normal message of do what you can with what you have. And let's make what you have a little bit more so you can do more with what you have. Like that's, it's like this, it's good. Let's make more good. Like let's, as you said, good people with good money are doing good in the world. And and I think that's such a, a beautiful place to go towards. And absolutely we're on the same page with this and, and really, the message of uh, perfection being a distraction. I think for people to find you, to connect with you, I think what's going to be really refreshing for them and to, to read through your book and to, to dive into your podcast, what's going to be really refreshing for them is that it's not a wait until you get down to zero on your debt. Wait until you get your budget. Like There's different ways that we can go about this just to start now and do the good that we can now. And that's how you're showing up for us today. And I want to thank you for that, for opening yeah. up this whole story and for bringing us into your mission and your message. And for those that are listening, that that are looking, are sick of this idea of like, I guess I got to be great. And you're here to say, look, let's start with being good. Yes. Um, how are? The, what's the best way to connect with you and to really dive into that and start that?
1: yeah, the best, of course, you know, the book came out about a month ago. It's called Good Money Revolution. Yeah, the best way to connect with me would be on Instagram at Derek T. Kinney. And uh, by the way, do that because I'm gonna put a great picture of Alex and myself on my Instagram here very soon, so you'll see that. But it's a great way to keep in contact with us and we produce videos every day on practical ways to make more money and do more good. And what I would just leave people with is, If you're not making the money that you feel you deserve, that's just not right. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of not knowing how to do that, I hope that my book offers you hope and offers you a game plan to make more money so you can do the good you've always wanted to do.
0: Amazing. I love it. Fantastic. I'm so grateful for this time and um, for the friendship that will grow from here and the impact that you're making in this world. Thank you for sharing your not boring story with us today. So many not boring stories. You really uh, put on a class here and I'm I'm just so grateful for your time, Derek. Thank you.
1: Alex, thank you. I've not been on many podcasts where I get more benefit, I think, than your listeners might. (laughs) And so this has been really good. If
0: I need to send you a copay, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Great. <laughs> That's an easy answer. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street, and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation, so please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.